For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Are you kidding me? You are looking live. Winning cures everything. Now for your hosts, Gary and Chris. Welcome in, Winning Cures Everything. It is the Sunday, November 7th edition of the show, the College Football Week 10 Reaction and Recap Show. I'm Gary. I'm Chris. And who, boy, did we have a strange Saturday. Chris, I know that we say it. It feels like every weekend this season, but it was definitely weird yesterday. It felt like everybody struggled uh, that was ranked, and everybody had some fight to them that we hadn't really seen from like the unranked team, so it was uh, it was a fun, fun weekend of uh, of college football, and I am pumped to talk about it. Uh, the first thing that I want to mention is two words: volatility and consistency. And we have a whole lot of volatility and not very much consistency across the sport. Uh, I don't know that there is very many things other than Georgia's defense that makes sense so far right now. Um, did want to mention Arizona and UNLV both got wins. So there are no winless teams left in college football. That is always good when you don't have somebody that goes over, right? Because you've worked so damn hard to get to, you know, the football season and to, to have at least something to celebrate is definitely uh, an awesome thing. We did have eight top 25 teams that lost yesterday again. Uh, that is two weeks in a row. And seven of them were two unranked teams. And I'm telling you, Tuesday night is going to be uh, insane. I cannot wait to see, as you call it, the mental gymnastics that the committee is going to go through to try and justify anything that they do. They could tell me anything. I might buy it at some point right now because I I have no idea. You know, I don't know what they're going to do. If I see them drop Cincinnati uh, for how they played against Tulsa and yet not drop anybody else, then we might start having some issues. But uh, what were your overall thoughts from uh, from Saturday? Oh, the overall thoughts of Saturday is it's, it's continued to be chaos, which is entertaining. Um, we, we do have a lot of entertaining games, which is good. We want close games. We don't want a bunch of blowouts. But everybody's expectations are different depending on are you a supposed to be here? Are you not? Do you belong or do you don't belong? When Ohio State and Alabama scrape by by the chin-chin-chin, against bad football teams, everyone gives them a pass and says, well, look, they're winning, and and it's hard to win, and it's hard to win as much as they win and, and be consistent. But when when Cincinnati does it, they say, well, look, they barely beat these guys. Well, Cincinnati's schedule is substantially more difficult up to this point than Alabama's schedule. I, you can say that we just know Alabama's better. Well, I mean, if you just know, then I don't know how to – I don't know how to argue against that. The whole purpose of sports is, is you're not supposed to just be able to know. You're supposed to actually be able to show it on the field. And we make excuses for some teams, and we hold others to different standards. 
And we do it all the time. And it's the thing that bothers me the most. Now, I, I would like to, I'd like to take just two, just two, one quick second to say this. I get, I get animated. I get frustrated. I, I, I'm, I'm about as raw and as honest as I know how to be on this show. And I'm that every week. Last, I guess we recorded on Thursday afternoons. It comes out on Friday. That show might be the most embarrassed I've ever been of like things that I've said and, and the way I put them. And that bothers me, but that's a me problem. Not anybody else's problem. Um, and you know, I'm almost 40 years old. I don't, you know, it's okay to, 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 to have these feelings that these people are terrible people and the sport is ran the way it is. I don't know that I think it's okay to just continue to be as vulgar and, a, and aggressive, I guess you would say, uh, because they're not going to change and they're not listening, by the way. So it doesn't matter. Which if I thought I, the things that I said would make anything better, then, then I might continue to say them. But, but I, I was ashamed of how I came across when it was over with. That's the first time that I almost the next day said, Hey, before we are that evening, before we upload that, I don't, I don't know how we want to do it, but then I realized how complicated that is the way we do the show. And I just said, the hell with it we, we run it we're honest we don't well, fake anything here yeah we no, don't manipulate anything here what you get is what you get and if i regret it then i just come on later and say i'm sorry that uh that definitely works uh so off topic on that you made me think of something i said last week that old dominion was not in the sunbelt yet or whatever mistake they are in the sunbelt but aside from that which uh I, was it just a full show on Thursday or, or on Friday or was it a specific topic? Because I, well, I mean, it was talking remember. about the committee people and it, it was some of this oh, Roger oh. stuff as well. Okay. I know, I know what you're talking about with the, uh, with the committee. So I, I remember that, but I, I think that's what people appreciate about you. They, there is a uh, very little filter. I will say that you have some filter because there are some things that you would like to say that, uh, that you don't, but you're also, you're honest. And I think that's what people appreciate, you know? Well. Um, you know, so I'm, I, you know, I, I don't want you to change too much. Uh, but I think I think they're going to continue to screw it up. I think they've already made up yeah. their mind what they want this 14 playoff to look like. Now they say every week that they haven't, and they say every week that they're it's going to change, it's going to evolve, unless something drastic happens, unless one of these big teams really screws up. I think they already have what they want it to look like, and they got a couple of contingencies. They don't maybe expect Oregon to be there, and and here's the thing: there are certain teams that they don't care if they make it or not. I yeah. think there are certain teams that they absolutely care that they don't make it and they want to make sure they don't make it. And that's yeah. because there's a hierarchy of a power five. That's why we call them the power five. When everybody who watches this sport understands the big 12 and the pac 12 and the ACC aren't close to as good as the, they're not so much better than the American and the mountain West that they deserve to be separated by any metric at all, but we've got three of the quote unquote power five, the belongs in one, in one pot that gets credit that they don't deserve. True. Now that what you're basically arguing here is uh, that we don't need expand. Like this is a year that you would say that you don't need expansion Unless no, th- no, that, hey, oh, no, hey, that's not true at all. Not, not I think you. We need more I'm just expansion saying. than we've. I think we need more expansion now than ever, because yes, Georgia is the number one team. Unless we're just going to give it to Georgia, 
then we don't need expansion. Let's just give it to Georgia and nobody else play any extra games. But if we're going to have a playoff, you mean to tell me you've got three teams that are going to make it in that are any better than the six teams behind them? See, we're not separating Uh, Georgia from everybody else. We're separating two, three, and four from five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, and 12. And 12 is no different than two. True. That's what I'm arguing for. That's why we need more expansion. Yeah, no, I okay. I, I totally, I could get down with that. I see where you're coming from with it. Uh, Ball Python Love jumped in. He said, Fresno State lost so happy. Ethan Broom said, how impressive is it that Notre Dame held David Bell to only 64 yards? Uh, yes, yes, David Bell is a giant killer. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit. Um, but yeah, I, I, don't, uh, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think everybody kind of looks the same right now. At, there is no distinguishing difference between number two, Alabama, and Baylor was at 12, but toss anybody out there that you want. You know, Any like, any of the next seven teams, it doesn't matter. There's yeah. no separation from them, so you're going to you're gonna pick three of them, and I guarantee you all three that you pick are all going to be the belongs. They're all going to be a member of some big club that you're not in. Yeah. No, you're you're 100% right. You want to uh you want to hit these games? Yeah, let's go. Let's go on and roll it off. Of course, you guys know I'm an Alabama fan. Chris is an LSU fan, and Alabama won last night 20 to 14. Uh Alabama averaged 0.2 yards per carry last night. Only totaled 6 rushing yards on 26 carries. They threw the ball. Bryce Young did 24 out of 37 times, 302 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the fake punt early in this game, that jump pass, that was a brilliant, brilliant decision by Coach O and Jake Peets. Uh, let you know that this was going to be a dogfight for sure. LSU, five out of seven on fourth down. They decided that they were going to go for it, and they were going to go and try and get this win. Um, they did have two turnovers that led directly to 13 Alabama points, gave Alabama short fields, and that was basically the difference in the ball game. Uh I my so from the Alabama side, I would not be surprised to see both Bill O'Brien and Doug Marone gone after this season. There does not seem to be uh, a lot of again the the buzzword from the beginning of the show. There's there is a lack of consistency with the Alabama offense, and part of it is that there's no leaders, right? There's nobody on that offensive line. There's nobody in the receiving court. There's nobody that is a vocal stand-up leader, and they had that in spades last season. Now, it does take time to develop that, um, but part of me wonders how difficult the transition from the NFL back to college is for two guys that have been in the NFL for so long. Now, that's just a, a hypothetical whatever situation because it doesn't look like they get along. It doesn't look like Bill O'Brien is doing what Saban wants to do, et cetera, et cetera. So, we'll see what happens with that. Um, I A win is a win, but this is not a very good Alabama team. Alabama is not number two in the country, or at least they don't deserve to be. And we said as much after the CFP rankings on Tuesday. Alabama was the default answer. They didn't want to put Cincinnati up there. Uh, they didn't want to give Michigan State uh, the number two spot after like squeaking by a win over Michigan. Like, I... I guess Alabama was the default, but they are not the number two team in the country. This team will lose again. I said it last week that Auburn is going to beat them in the Iron Bowl, and I fully believe it. This team is not very good. Uh, On the other side, 
LSU, if they had put forth that kind of effort in multiple other games this year, I think that they would be in a much better position. I don't know that O would still have his job, but I think he'd be a lot closer. I, this That looked like a good team last night that was aggressive and fought hard and really wanted to win. And I don't know that I've seen that out of them every weekend. Uh, Chris, go ahead, jump in. Give me give me your thoughts here. I mean, it looks like same old LSU, no quarterback, bad offense. Just we're used to having a dominant run game that we can rely on. Outside of the Joe Burrow years, my entire life, LSU's offense has been just basically awful. And usually a, a stud running back or two or three um, will carry them. Hey, do you, and, do you uh, think, and, I'm sorry to interrupt. Do you think Tyrion Davis-Price is a – I think he could be a stud, man. Like, I think they well, found yes. something with him. So, well, they didn't find anything with him. The kid's a stud. I know, the but kid they, is an absolute stud. They didn't but play he's him the, until... He's, he's one, and the offensive line's not great. And so, what he gets, he makes. And it's hard to do that week in and week out, play in and play out. You could do that a couple of times a game, but you can't do that for an entire 60 minutes. You just can't. Yeah. You need something. And the way football is played today, you need something from the quarterback position, and we just don't have it. We haven't had it my entire life, and I don't expect to have it much after that unless somebody comes in that's an offensive mind that can recruit. But until that day comes, we're just going to have to be the team that wins with defense and running the football. But we got to figure out a way to get back to running the ball. Um, you talked about Alabama not being very good. I, I haven't been impressed with Alabama the entire year. Um, there are two really bad football teams that you were given wins to 100% because the SEC just props up the brands and continues to give you every call in the world. You should have lost to LSU last night. You should have lost to Florida week two or three or whatever that was. And both of those teams are god-awful. They're just god-awful. And and so you don't, you're don't you not just supposed to not only have the one loss. You should have two other losses to two terrible football teams. You're you're no you're no different than than you know the the number twelfth team in the country or fifteenth team in the country. Yeah. Um. You you just got a big brand and you got a you got all the best players and you have all the best coaches. Uh. You're you, you know you complaining about you know Bill O'Brien and and he he just ain't getting it done. This guy's an offensive genius. He knows what he's doing about bringing an offensive in. I don't know. Is it a thing where? You know, is it too complicated for the Alabama guys because they're all young and they're pretty inexperienced and they don't know how to run these offenses? I don't know that. I don't know. Is it a thing where he's trying to give um, Saban what he wants, but also do some of what he thinks is the right thing to do? I don't. I don't know the answer to that. I know this guy knows how to coach football. Okay, I know that you you have nine guys on your offensive staff that are all grossly overqualified for the position that they have. And so you can't blame it on play. Play calling didn't hurt you last night. Okay. It, no, 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 it, wasn't, it wasn't play call. It like bottom line, like the offensive line is not good. Now, when you lose as many guys as they have, then yeah, like that makes sense, right? It, we, we saw it with LSU coming off of the, the 2019 season. Well, Alabama off the 2020 season lost a bunch of dudes off that offensive line. Uh, last night they were losing their, or they missed their uh, center. You know, he was out for the ball game. There was a, a lot that that we, as you know, Alabama, were missing on the offensive line. But the offensive line has not been good all season. Like they're a, they are not a good offensive line. And yeah. I think the thing with college teams that's different, maybe there's some of it with the NFL. Chemistry is so so important, and there does not appear to be very much of it on the Alabama sideline right now. 
And and what I saw from LSU that I have not seen, you know, it, now this was a team in LSU that was missing a ton of dudes, but those dudes looked like they were together, right? I don't know that I've playing seen. hard. They just don't have a lot of talent. I mean, like I right. said, we've but it, got, that, but we've got one star on offense right now, and that's it. There was there was chemistry on that LSU mm. sideline. Those guys have played well together, and they guys haven't played a lot together. Right, but it looked like they were at least um, they were all together pulling the same way. Right? You know why that is, though, Gary? Because you got a bunch. Of, you got eleven guys on one side that aren't super talented, and nobody in the country thinks a lot of them, and so they have to work together. And you got eleven guys on the other side that all think they're stars because right. they all got a shitload of stars on the back of their name, and they all think that they should be the heralded one. And you know what? It just doesn't work that way. And so they're all playing the best they can play, but they don't care about the guy next to them. And those other eleven, they got no choice because they're not good. Yeah, I can see that. I can see it. And that's that's where the chemistry stuff coaching. comes in. And there's no there's no coaching that can get that out of those guys. Well, but they've been able that, to do it in the past, right? Like there's it, it, unless it's just guys that aren't willing to buy in. And that's that's what you gotta figure out. So I either way, Alabama's not a very good football team. LSU is better than they have been uh this season. LSU's I, not better than they have been. They're just not, Gary. That's a bad football team that went in and and they call a, a good team sleeping. Okay. You look yeah, like shit yeah. and you're sleepwalking through a game. And you don't care to be there. You yeah. think it should be handed to you on a silver platter. The whole country just spent an entire week telling you you're the second best team in the country. All those guys were just smelling their own ass the entire week. It's entirely possible. Uh, that, that Alabama Tennessee game, uh, it ended up being a 28 point uh, spread between them, but uh, that should have been a whole lot of signs because Tennessee, uh, was it? I mean, it was a seven-point ball game in the fourth quarter. Like Tennessee yeah. just ran out of gas. So, oh, yeah. um, you got any other like any final thoughts on that one before we before we move off of it? No, I mean it's really frustrating to to try. It's really frustrating to to, to watch your team and and any other team, by the way, compete against a team that has all the best players and all the best coaches, and they get every damn call you could possibly imagine. It's really really frustrating. And even last night, ESPN, which they're pretty bad about just kind of keeping their mouth shut when the refs blow something. I mean, they were just like, oh, the blatant hold that they didn't call. Like, they, I've never heard Chris Fowler say that before uh, 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 for any team. Not, not that he's shilling for Bama or somebody else. I've never heard him say that. And I've watched a ton of Chris Fowler called football games. Uh, blatant call right there. They're just not going to call that. And I'm just thinking, yeah, we've been watching this shit for a decade. What hell for two decades? It's really hard to beat somebody who's already better than you at everything. And they get everything to go their way. So, yeah, if they lose the game, everybody on that sideline should be fired. All those players should be let go. Just to hell with them. Because you get everything given to you. That's frustrating. Yeah, I can, That's I really can frustrating. That. Yeah, I can, I can certainly uh, I can see where that would come from. Um, I mean, there's not much else to say on this one. Uh, Alabama could not run the football. Uh, LSU fought adjusted, the difference. Adjusted yards, Alabama got 28 yards. They got 28 yards going forward. Yeah, yeah. Because it, college if you football take away is the dumb sacks. and they take sacks away from, from regular yardage. That's not how math is supposed to work, but college football seems like it's too complicated to do it the right way. Um, but, yeah, they, they got 28 yards rushing. That's unbelievable. That's yeah. unbelievable. So it was uh, 28 yards rushing on – 
Let's see, 13 and 2, 15, 16, 17 carries. That's I mean, amazing. Yeah. Uh, had two carries from two different wide receivers that netted us one yard. Uh, Roy Dell Williams only ran the ball twice, and they only ran the ball with Brian Robinson 13 times for 18 yards. I'm sure Young is an unbelievable talent, and in two years when he's a junior, he's going to be amazing. But right now, if you pressure him, if guys aren't wide-ass open, when guys are wide open, you could pressure him all day long. He's going to sling the ball out there, and they're going to go catch it because they're five-star athletes, and they're just freaks, okay? Yeah. But if anybody is – if they are covered at all, at all, and he has to make an accurate throw under pressure, it is it is going to the ground. It's I, just going in the ground. I told you when we did our preview on Friday's show, the matchup. Do you remember what I told you the matchup of this game was going to be? Yeah, yeah. LSU's pass rush against Alabama's weak offensive line, yep. and that's what it was the whole ball game. And yeah, I just thought it's so it's frustrating. It's not frustrating for me because it was it was glorious to see, but it's strange to see a guy like Bryce, who who is, I guess, I guess when you're when you got a clean pocket and you're doing everything, everybody loves a clean pocket. Man, when that guy gets pressured. He falls to pieces. He falls to pieces. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's young. Um, but now, I wonder, I, I will I wonder can you coach that out of a kid? Yes, you can. Because also, like, he – it depends on how you pressure, right? Like, Tom Brady does not like guys that rush him directly up the middle, but he can handle it but when, when he got extra. nobody likes that. Nobody likes that. Right, right, like, that's but, not a Tom, Tom Brady didn't have the patent on that. I, I no quarterback in the history of the world wants you to come straight up the middle at him <laughs> because that's the shortest distance between two lines. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is, he, if you look at his numbers when pressured throughout the entire season, he has been like top two or three in the country as far as his QBR under pressure. He has hit. Tons of, I mean, his completion percentage is crazy. Like his, Gary, I watched rate, all those plays. All of those plays are when guys are literally fifteen yards wide open. Like that doesn't mean he's making an accurate throw. He's just he's just throwing, just throwing the ball up. up in the air, and nobody is around your freak wide receiver who's able to go make adjustments because they're not being covered. They're just wide open. That's not on the quarterback. I mean, those could all be th- just throwaways because if somebody was covered, they could, A, half of them could be picks if somebody was covered. But the wide receivers are just so athletic that they bail him out. Could you could you imagine what this Alabama offense would be like if they did not get Jamison Williams out of the portal? I mean, he had 10, care, or 10 uh, receptions for 160 yards and a touchdown last night. It's supposed he to be the best wide receiving core we've ever seen. Right, and, and none of the young guys uh, – are are anywhere to be found? No, but come on, but who, anyway. dude, you've got three of the best wide receivers in the league, though. Come on, man, I don't want to hear you complain but, that nobody else is stepping up. Yeah, but I'm who's sorry? The, hold on, I'm who's sorry that your all world wide receivers aren't doing enough for you. But who who is the third one? I mean, you got John Mechie and you got Jamison Williams. Okay, well, that's I'm sorry. Well, that's that's the up. thing. Like Alabama is used to having a plethora of of options, and there are no options right now, right? So oh, there's God. Everybody <laughs> in the country right now doesn't care about your your. You've got you've got the number one, or maybe like the you have two of the top five wide receivers in the country. I'm I'm really sorry that's not enough for you. That's uh, 
Yeah, no, I'm, you I'm know what? If that's what I'm quarterback saying. Quarterback needs more than that. That guy sucks. That's and he a, better be glad he chose to go to Alabama because if he'd have went to USC, he'd be hot garbage right now. But some NFL team is going to look at all these numbers. They're going to beat off in a closet and get all excited about it, and then they're going to draft him and they're going to find out he's trash when he gets out here with regular rando dudes. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, and and that was that's my point exactly. To all of the Alabama guys. That was my point uh, exactly. Was Jamison Williams. Uh, without him, I don't know what this receiving core is because they have chosen it is going to be Jamison Williams and John Mechie. Uh, they they had 28 targets between the two of them out of 37 passes last night. So, and it's been like that all season. Let's uh let's let's get off of this one. Let's let's move on to the Big Ten. We we spent a good 15 minutes on that. I feel good about uh about that much time. Purdue 40. Michigan State, 29. Aiden O'Connell, 40 out of 54 passing. Um, 536 yards with three touchdowns. The reverse flea flicker in the second quarter was absolutely hilarious and awesome at the same time. It was a flea flicker that went, I think, a total of like 10 or 12 yards in the air. And then <laughs> the the dude ran the ball uh, the rest of the way. It was awesome. Um Purdue had a 62% post-game win expectancy. Uh, in the first game, by the way, Alabama's post-game win expectancy, uh, 60%. Um, but Purdue, 62%. Uh, Michigan State averaged 7.3 yards per play and only 7 yards per play for Purdue. But Purdue ran 85 plays to only 63. David Bell, giant killer. He had 11 catches, 217 yards, one touchdown. Uh, this was... Insane. This was not uh, anything fluky. This was nothing like that. It wasn't turnovers. It wasn't anything like that. This was very simply like Michigan State had two turnovers to only one for Purdue, but both teams got six points off those turnovers. Like, that's it. So it wasn't slanted in one direction or the other. I, Purdue, I'll tell you this, that Purdue matchup against Ohio State this weekend looks kind of juicy right now. Well, yeah, because Ohio State, we know, can't stop the pass. Aiden O'Connell looks good right now. He did not look good early in the season. He looks good right now. But he he really looks good against teams uh, that have holes in the secondary, at least in coverage, right? Michigan State secondary, great at tackling. They are insanely aggressive. But... Well, Ohio State secondary can't tackle our cover. And Ohio State, I don't think, has the pass rush that Michigan State does, so... They don't. That could that could that that game. I'm I'm curious to see what that total opens at. That's the number I'm looking forward to more than any. And I'm sure it's going to open in the 70s. I'm certain it's going to be high. I think it's going to be a big number. I don't know if it's going to be big enough to keep me away from it though. Yeah. When we talked about this game on Friday uh, on the Friday show, I I gave all these numbers about Purdue and all the different matchup advantages that they had, etc. And I still took Michigan State because I assumed. Like they've been able to do all season, they would find a way to win. They have the better athletes. They would find some advantage that would give them the ball game, and and they couldn't do it. Peyton Thorne, 20 out of 30, 276, two touchdowns. Kenneth Walker, uh, 23 carries for 146 yards. I, you know, had one touchdown. I, you know, this was, this was rough. It, this was basically just on the Michigan State defense, which has not been like a huge issue all year. No, they've but, been they've been really good. They've been really good. They've had a bend but don't break defense, 
keeping people out of the end zone, which is a big deal, making teams settle for field goals, which is a big, that's a four point swing every time it happens. And, uh, and, and they, they couldn't keep Purdue out of the end zone. I thought there was no way on earth Purdue was going to stop Kenneth Walker. Uh, This was bend, but don't break with him. Gave up a lot of yards. He only got one touchdown and, uh, and they could not score in the red zone. That's the game. I will give Michigan state this. The in the third quarter, like late third quarter, middle third quarter, whatever it was, they started to hold Purdue to field goals, right? But they yeah. had already given up. I was going to say, but but yeah, I was so, going to say we're, we're we're already in the thirties by then, though. Yeah, I mean, like Purdue had scored twenty eight points, um, but then their last four drives all ended in field goals, and but Michigan, at some point in time, yeah. you got to stop them from scoring anything. When you're behind, you. You can't say, oh, well, they settled for a field goal. That's not that bad. Well, when you're down by two scores, at some point in time, the field goal makes it three scores, so it doesn't matter that you save those four points. You're you're still needing more scores, and you're not able to get it. This was a game where they really needed Peyton Thorne to be able to come from behind. I don't know that he's that quarterback. I think he's the kind of quarterback that can – play from the front. He protects the ball. I know he had one turnover. He, you know, he, he plays really smart. He doesn't have the explosivity in him. He, they didn't come back from two scores behind because of Peyton Thorne in Michigan game. They came back because Kenneth Walker bust runs for 40 yards plus multiple times to take him to the house. You just can't hang an offense on that. You can't design an offense around doing that all the time. Yeah. No, you're, you're the quarterback right. has to be able to get you chunk plays when you are down. At some point in time, you have to be able to score within a minute, 15 seconds of clock. Yeah. And and I don't think Peyton Thorne can do that. We haven't seen him do it all year. He hasn't had to do it all year, which is a good thing. But I don't know that he can. The You look at the drive chart, and Purdue scored, like they got points on eight of their 11 full drives. The, yeah. the drive before the half, like, Toss that thing out. Oh, um, yeah, it doesn't count. Yeah. At Michigan Second State, time. you look at theirs, like they only forced Purdue to punt twice. And and Michigan State had Not to good. punt uh, four times. They missed a field goal. Um, they had a turnover on downs. They had a fumble. Like they did not take advantage of their opportunities. And yet we're still in the game. Yes. Like they were in the game late. And until, yeah, until, until, until it got, they just couldn't get stops. At some point right. in time, you have to make the other team punt. If, if, if you told me Purdue was only going to punt twice in this game, I, I would have picked Purdue to win the game. I mean, that I don't need to know any other stats than that. I know that the turnovers didn't kill them, but you lost the turnover battle, things that they haven't done all year. You lost the penalty battle, and you couldn't make the other team get off the field. Those are three things that Michigan State hadn't done all year. They did them this game, and it cost them the game. I mean – it was a combination of all three of those things, but when you lose the penalty battle, when you lose the turnover battle, and when you cannot make the other team punt, you can't win that game. And so you look at this final score and you say, man, Purdue beat the hell out of them. Man, it wasn't as bad as the score sounds, but when you take all the things that you did poorly and you add them all together, yeah, it looks like you got your ass kicked. Yeah, and it was – you look at just this number, 11 of 18 on third down, one of one on fourth down. That means yep. that there were six times that they got stops. Four of them they gave up field goals on. The other two they had to punt. That's it. Yeah. 
That's yeah. it. And, and by the time they're kicking those field goals we just talked about, it was too late. It was too late. If they're making the field goals, you you can't catch up because you're already now three scores down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was it, – bottom line, Michigan State just got beat. They just got beat. And, and props to Jeff Brom, who – I was just – so when he had, when he Jeff Brom's name. <laughs> when he's got a healthy football team, he's really good. I'm going to ask you this. Do you think Brahms, now if if he pulls off a, an Ohio State win in the shoe, you think his name gets brought up for any of these jobs? Because so far his name hasn't hasn't circulated not one time. Yes, yes. I think so too. Now maybe not the LSU job, but I I don't know, and I wouldn't hate it. I uh, well, I will tell you this. I think that there's some somebody these... who could coach a quarterback. That's all I want. Is that so much to ask? I think that there I there are multiple teams that are uh, a little bit bigger brands. Than mm-hmm. Purdue, and I mean there was actual hot seat talk about Jeff Brom coming into this I season. I know before and, the season started, and I kind of thought that was insane. I know he has had a couple, but I don't hold the COVID year against well, anybody. Not only you that, know that, but the year before I gave everybody that, a pass for that. They've not been healthy. They've not yeah. had their full allotment of players, and you don't get a bunch of big time players at Purdue. Well, so right. if you don't have them, you know where is this? They got one of the best receivers Bell? in the world and more for three years. And, and the dude maybe, and the dude maybe played eighteen games in three years. Like, I don't know what you do with that. You recruited the freak. You finally got a stud to come play with you, and you get eighteen games out of him. I, maybe not. I just made that number up. I'll tell you this: I bet it ain't a lot more than eighteen. I, I don't. I don't even know that it was eighteen. Like, I, 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 I surely in three years he got to eighteen, right? I'll have to double check that. We might. I, 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 I don't listen, think. He, that, I don't think so. That might be a gross exaggeration. You're right. It might be a lot less yeah. than that. Um, Bell is a, is a special player. Bell has been amazing. I, I have seen some – now, look, nobody likes to take shots at Alabama like me, but I've seen a lot of people say, well, if Bell played for Alabama, he'd be number one in the Heisman voting. They'd already have his name sits on it. We we need to be real careful before we just start scratching Matt Corral's name off, all right? Yeah. That guy hasn't had a bad game yet, okay? The games that they have lost – he was an absolute warrior god in those games. He didn't make a lot of mistakes, and he fought like hell in them. And he's not having a bad performance, and he's had the best performances of anybody in the country. Let's be real careful before we just start throwing. If he played somewhere else, he'd be. I do think he'd be getting more respect than he is. I do think he belongs in the conversation, and absolutely would be okay with him getting an invite to New York. But. Anybody wants to throw shade at Matt Corral, I'm here for that fight. I'm here for that fight. I'm just telling you. Matt Matt Corral, I think, would be getting a lot more talk if he didn't have all of his best wide receivers injured for multiple well, yeah. oh, Look what he's doing with the talent he's got. You right? put the A on his helmet, and that son of a bitch is in the Heisman. He's, he's, nobody's touching him. Yes, yes. Uh, Ball, Ball, Python. Ball Python Love said, smack that like button for the host. We appreciate that. Of course, appreciate if anybody that. wants to jump into the chat, you can always do that. We love hearing your guys' opinions on all these different topics. Uh, we have spent 34 minutes on two ball games, so let's, uh, let's pick this thing up and start rolling. Next on the board, TCU 30, Baylor 28. Baylor lost two turnovers. TCU only lost one. The Horned Frogs in... Their first game since relieving Gary Patterson of his duties, and that was a firing. We, like yep. People want to say it was a mutual parting of the ways. It was not. Gary Patterson wanted the coach, period. Um, but TCU outgained Baylor 562 yards to 393. 
TCU basically put Baylor in a locker. Yeah. Um, this we was, haven't seen anybody defensively do this to Baylor yet. Uh, no, and and honestly, well, like, Oklahoma State, right? Oklahoma State did it. Yeah, Oklahoma State did it. But I, I am so shocked at this. Max Duggan was out for this game. This was one of my bets. This was you know Baylor to this day. Baylor has never beaten TCU by more than six points, and yet I bet Baylor minus six and a half. Because when I looked at the matchup, and I looked at what was going on at TCU, and I realized at this Baylor offense against that run defense, and TCU doesn't have Duggan, and 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 Zach Evans, like what I, you know, there was so much there that looked like it was going to go Baylor's direction, um, but Chandler Morris, who by the way, do you know who Chandler Morris's dad is? No, Chad Morris. Former oh. Arkansas coach. Uh, Chandler Morris comes in, first start, uh, freshman. I mean, he is like, he he was ridiculous. Like, I, I don't even know what that was. This, this game should not have been close. How about Jerry Kill, by the way? Awesome, awesome debut as uh, as head coach at TCU in his interim status. Uh, but Chandler Morris, 29 out of 41, 461 yards, two touchdowns. Chandler Morris carried the ball 11 times for 70 yards and a touchdown. He was awesome. He yep. was absolutely awesome. Uh, people jumped in the in the chat, by the way. Uh, Niasaur L said, I can't wait until my dogs play Bama. Bryce Young is going to fold. Uh, Bama ain't going to be there. Yeah, they are. <laughs> they're, they're not oh, going to be there. You think A&M will go win out? I do. I okay. do. Yeah. I, A&M is really good. We're going to talk about them in a minute. But. I, I, I agree with that statement, but and, uh, I, I still think they could find a loss somewhere around here, too. You're probably right. And Gary Lewis uh, tossed up the peace sign and said this content is great. Well, we certainly appreciate, appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, give me give me your thoughts on TCU here because this was a different TCU team. I, I, will, I will say this. I know people that are around the TCU program, mm-hmm. and nobody talked about it beforehand, but after the game yesterday, they said it was evident that that team had, you hate to use the quit word, but it looked like that team had quit under Patterson. And and then you get a, a breath of fresh air in this game. Like maybe, maybe this was the dead cat bounce, right? Where they have this one amazing game and a rivalry game, and then they'll come back down to earth next week. But this looked like a team that was rejuvenated in losing its head coach. Yeah, you might be right. I didn't see that coming. But I also thought even if TCU comes out and plays great, Baylor has just been so good on both sides of the football that I that I I just didn't see them playing. I didn't see them giving up thirty points. I just didn't. I thought this game could be played in the mid twenties, but I also kind of thought they were going to score mid thirties. And so I kind of thought Baylor and Baylor by ten, Baylor by you know two touchdowns. That's what I thought. And 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 I just because I haven't seen anybody slow them down. Now they scored twenty eight points, but in today's football world, that ain't enough. It's just not. And. um I was surprised that TCU got to 30. I just was Zach, uh, 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 Zach Morris, Jesus. Um, Chandler Morris. <laughs> Chandler Morris. And uh, 90s kid right here. I uh, I just didn't I didn't see this from their offense. TCU's offense has been explosive all year, but Baylor's defense outside of Oklahoma State has been the second best defense in that conference. I thought they would stand up. I thought they would make a statement. and uh, and, and they just got got. Uh, Seth Garcia jumped in and said Oklahoma might run the table. Uh, I don't have Oklahoma State on here to talk about, but Oklahoma State, uh, when I say somebody put somebody in a locker, Oklahoma State 
did not allow West Virginia to do anything. Now, let's be real careful before we just chalk up next week, too, yeah. because I know we're talking about Baylor and a loss in this situation. That could have been a look-ahead spot. It's entirely possible because TCU had not shown the ability to do this. You talked about TCU being explosive all year. Um, yes, but not to this level. They, they weren't doing level. it consistently. No. And, and not against this opponent either. Right, right. Like, they, yeah, they, they look great against Texas Tech. You know, like they put up big <laughs> numbers against bad defenses all day long. They hadn't played a great defense yet, you know? Yeah, you're right about that. Talking about explosive uh, plays, well, we had a bunch of them in Chapel Hill yesterday, and North Carolina beat Wake Forest 58-55. to Wake was banged up on defense. Uh, not an excuse. I didn't think they would be this bad, but whew, um, the offense made just insanely uncharacteristic mistakes for Wake Forest. I mean, just just ridiculous. Um, two turnovers led directly to 14 North Carolina points. Uh, this was a non-conference game, in case you didn't hear the thousand times that the broadcast said it, along with uh, everybody else on the planet. So I will announce it as well. Yeah, it was a non-conference game. These are two teams in the same state, in the same conference, that only get to play uh, like every seven years. So because of the the divisional stuff. And so they decided they were going to play in the non-conference. Cheers to them for doing it. Cheers to Wake Forest for actually uh, doing this, right? Because a, a non-conference game on the road in November against a formidable opponent is typically not a smart idea. But cheers to Wake Forest for doing it. You know, this was, uh, this was crazy. So I, I do think that this means there will be no ACC team in the playoff this year. I think we already knew that, but this just confirms it. And uh, North Carolina, 330 rushing yards. Um, I mean, they were they were unbelievable. Ty Chandler, 22 carries, 213 yards rushing, four touchdowns. Sam Howell, four touchdowns. Jesus. Yeah, Sam Howell ran the ball 50 or sorry, 21 times for 104 yards with two touchdowns. Uh, Sam Howell only threw the football 26 times, completed 16 of them for 216 yards and one touchdown. Uh, I, I mean. Wake Forest still outgained them, like 615 to 546. Uh, both teams had insane penalties, like 11 penalties for both teams. North Carolina had 118 penalty yards, and Wake Forest had 119. This was a chippy game. There were players that did not like each other, obviously, on the field. I mean, you look, the turnovers were the difference in the ball game here. Like, you, you had two of them for Wake Forest that led directly to 14 points for North Carolina. And North Carolina had one that led to three points for Wake Forest. At, Wake Forest was up by 18 at one point. They were up by 14 in the fourth quarter. And North Carolina outscored them 24 to nothing at one point until they gave up a late touchdown with 40 seconds left. I This was an incredible watch. I, I don't always like the, uh, the, the ping pong right, on grass. I don't always like the back and forth, but this was entertaining. Like, I, I can't say that scoring is not entertaining. Like, it's it definitely is. Uh, but this was this was nuts, and it really kind of came down to, uh, you know, who could put the ball in the end zone more times, which I, I guess every game does. But you knew there were going to be a lot of points scored here. And, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. Don't know what to make of it. You, North Carolina, by the way, uh, I don't know how many teams can say this, but they are a top 10 team that has a loss to an unranked team, and they are also now an unranked team that has a win over a top 10 team. 
So <laughs> in the same season. Uh give me give me your thoughts here because this was this was bonkers. I thought it was going to be a great game. I knew it was going to be a wild game, and I just thought Wake Forest was going to make sure they found a way to win it. I didn't think when North Carolina needed to get a stop, they were going to be able to get a stop, and they did. Um, and that that was just the way the game happened. I, I knew it was going to be high scoring. I knew it was going to be wild. I knew it was going to be crazy. I took Wake Forest. I took Wake Forest in the points. Took Wake Forest on the money line. I, I, you know, this game this game broke me. This game hurt me. Yeah, so same here early. Same um, here, but uh, but but it was. I mean, it was everything it was billed to be, which was high scoring, wild and crazy. Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, we'll move off that. Let's jump into the comments for a second. Cam Harrison said BYU eight and two. Georgia Southern next game. Last game is at USC. Yeah, uh, BYU could certainly be ten and two. At one point, we were talking about them being undefeated. Um, yeah, but they could also lose to USC. They could also lose to Georgia Southern. Like it's not out of the realm of possibilities. So BYU is uh, not losing to USC. USC is a dead ass football team that has quit. It kind of looked like it last night against Arizona. That State. dead cat ain't bouncing. No, you you probably. Well, I think they I think they already had it right early in the season. Uh, Gary Lewis said, "Bummed Fresno State lost, but uh, twenty one Bulldogs D is trash." Uh, they definitely look like that against Boise. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. Uh, BYU could win out from Double O'Neill. Yep, it, very possible. Only got two of them to go. So uh, Seth Garcia said, uh, "UTSA." Uh, they are nine and zero. Does the CFP rank them? I think so. This week, I think they do. This week, after Fresno State got got bounced the way that they did, uh, because you can't toss Boise in there. Boise's already got four losses. Uh, Double O'Neill can't believe the Tar Heels beat Wake. Only game they can win is to knock off an undefeated. That kind of sucks. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just, it's not been a great year for Mac Brown and them. I still think that it is entirely possible that Mac retires this season, maybe next. Um, he just. Even yesterday, it didn't look like he was having fun. It looks like he has aged significantly since the beginning of the COVID season. Um, I just don't know. I don't know if he wants to do it. But I, that's that's just me brainstorming here. Uh, Double and ill said yes. UTSA gets ranked. Uh, Seth wants to know if they can make a New Year's Six bowl. Chris, you think uh, you think the Roadrunners, you know, meet me can can make a New Year's Six? I think they're going to keep them away from that. I really do. I think somebody else above them is going to be ranked and stay ranked from the G5. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're probably right. Uh, I'm going to tell you this. It's going to be in Cincinnati is what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, you're right Cincinnati's about Cincinnati's going to get that G5 spot because they're not letting them in. They're not going to let them in the playoff. There's not enough significant wins anymore. Uh, SMU losing to Memphis yesterday certainly hurt that. Uh, Elvin jumped in. People can take shots all they want, but we will still be Alabama, and your team still won't measure up, and Georgia should remember who daddy is before popping off at the mouth. Elvin, um, I don't know that this is uh, a good time to be talking about how good Alabama is. Uh, yes, historically, yes, this season, probably not so much. Because uh, Alabama, I I am an Alabama fan. I have Alabama tattoos. They ain't good this year, period. Like, they may be 8-1, and one, but they ain't good. Uh, Gary Lewis, I like Kiffin, but should have rooted for Liberty to win if we have to endure SEC fatigue, though. Better Ole Miss or A&M than Georgia-Alabama. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're going to get A&M in, in Georgia, and I think that'll be a fun matchup. Uh, Seth, uh, should record if they went out, uh, but I doubt if the committee is rigged. Talking about UTSA. Um, uh, Gary Lewis said, 21 SMU, what the hell? Uh, yeah, I, I mean... I don't know what to make of SMU from yesterday. Sick of being upsold at gyms? 
My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Uh, let's jump into another SEC game right quick. Whew, uh, brother, Arkansas 31, Mississippi State 28. And I, I mean, this it, state had so many opportunities to win this ballgame. And I, I, <laughs> I told you the other day it was going to be a field goal ballgame. I didn't know that it would take state missing three field goals for it to be a field goal ballgame. Um, but that's what it turned into. Uh, th- and that's, that's, the whole point of this game, right? State law or state missed three field goals. Arkansas only missed one. Uh, Leach announced after the game that they they're hosting open tryouts in Starkville for a damn kicker. Uh, state outgained Arkansas by a full yard per play. They ran more plays, uh, but four of their drives that got inside the Arkansas forty ended with zero points. And you cannot do that and expect to win a game on the road against a good team. And that's what Arkansas is. That's a good team. So that's a good I, team. They're not a great team. They're a good team. Um, this is this is at some point in time you got to stop blaming the field goal kicker because you should not be settling for field goals. Right. That's it. Like Will Rogers is good enough to get you into the red zone consistently. They have been piss poor all year once they get into the red zone. It's really weird. One of the best defensive teams they played all year is Kentucky. And once they got in the red zone, they punched it in every damn time. But they play these other teams that aren't great defensively. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But once Mississippi State gets in the red zone against those teams, it's almost like their offense completely falls apart and they just settle for field goals. They're like, oh, we're in field goal range. We'll just take the three and we don't care. You got to stop living that way. Gary, you talk about this all the time. It's like these guys get in situations where they think, oh, well, we can always depend on a field goal, so we just stop playing football. We're going to talk about like, that with Scott Frost in a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, why Why are you stop playing football? Get, get into the end zone. What? What is stymieing you about this over and over and over again? If it's the talent at the quarterback position, and I don't want to crap on Will too much because he's been better, but – Will I was brought good. this up when I picked Arkansas. He's a damn yo-yo. This whole football team is a yo-yo. They go up and they go down, and then they go up and then they go down. I picked against them this week, lost by the hook, but it was simply because I don't trust them two weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bottom line, I, I you look at the stats in this game, State probably should have won the ball ballgame. Um, yeah. I just it, – now, it, it, the postgame win expectancy – which, again, whatever. Uh, it said Arkansas 65%. I don't know that I believe that based on the fact that State missed three field goals, had multiple opportunities to to win the game. Like, I, bottom line, they had a kick at the end of the game uh, that was not a hard field goal, and they missed it. Kerry uh, <laughs> Lewis said, Arky, like a box of chocolates. He said they're wildly entertaining. Uh, Leach offense struggles in red zone. Out West college football fans already know that. Yeah, no, they do because the the field shrinks in that position. So, yeah, it's tough to score. Uh, and if you don't have a running game. Well, even, what's crazy is last week 
That's what they did. When they got into the red zone against Kentucky, they ran the ball four straight times and they punched in all four times, 28 points. I kind of thought he's realized this is how I got to play. I used my, my, my spread offense, my West coast offense, you know, this air raid to get us there. And then we lean on the backs to get it in the, in the end zone. Um, and, and I thought, man, that's a game plan that could could last them a while and, and could do, do a lot of good for them. They completely went away from it. They didn't run the ball at all when they got into the red zone against uh, Arkansas. They didn't run it successfully at all. Yeah. Uh, Nate Burka jumped in and talked about uh, the Roadrunner team consistently showing out. Hard to go undefeated under any circumstances. That's true. Uh, Double O'Neill said Cincinnati versus UTSA New Year's game, consolation prize for both teams. If they do that to those two teams – that will be an absolute sham and a joke, and they should be ashamed of themselves. Uh, Cincinnati uh, deserves. First off, they have no. They're already a joke. And yeah. secondly, they have the reason they're a joke is because they have no shame, and it would not surprise me one bit that that's what they would do. Yeah, no, I, I could, I could see it. I could totally see it. Uh, Modest Cowboy E said, "Does Texas finish five and seven in Sark's first year?" I've got that towards the end of our list here to go over. Um, yeah, I think I don't think Texas is very good. It's just not a very good football team right now. I never expected them to not go bowling, though. I I tend to agree with you, but like, does I think it surprise it's, me? it's obviously on the table right now, though. Right? Oh, yes. Obviously on I mean, the table. The reason the question is being asked is because we're all kind of thinking it, and and he was the first one to, to, to say it. Yeah. No, you, you're right about that. Uh, let's move on. I'm, I'm going to hit on two teams that uh, kind of struggled yesterday. Okay. Um, we... <laughs> Elvin said, "Since everybody sucks, who gets ranked where? Uh, th- that I don't know. I, th- I'm, I'm just as curious as anybody on Tuesday. I would imagine it just kind of stays the same, except Michigan State took an L. They'll be bumped out. Um, but I, I think everybody just kind of stays. So, uh, Cincinnati 28, Tulsa 20. Whoo, brother! Tulsa outgained Cincinnati 446 to 390. Uh, they ran 26 more plays." They won time of possession. They won turnovers three to one. Um, they Tulsa did not convert any points off of any of the three turnovers. Uh, shout out to uh, to uh, Shamari Brooks for Tulsa. Twenty five carries, one hundred thirty two yards against that defense with one touchdown. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I can get down with that. Desmond Ritter has not really looked good in like three weeks. Like he's been okay, but he has certainly not been what he was at the beginning of the season. Uh, Jerome Ford, like I, I don't know what happened here, but he, he had one touchdown, but only had seven carries for 24 yards. Uh, we got hurt. You didn't watch the game. I didn't No, I didn't see him get hurt. Like I, I, just saw he went, that he, he wasn't went, in there after a little he while. went out. He went out early. No, that's, this is what happened. Is, this is this is why when I've got four games on at the same they're time, all, they're like, all world running back comes out of the game that completely changes their offense. That completely changes everything that they try to do, and to be able to fight like hell without your second best player on the team out like that that's a that's a big win. I think that's a big win. Defense stepped up when they had to because they knew the offense was struggling. Yeah, no, and they and you they lose definitely the second most up. important player on the team. That's a big deal. You lose him early, you got to fight like hell to stay in this game. Alec Pierce uh, showed out receiving-wise for Cincinnati. Uh, Desmond Ritter had 274 yards passing. 113 of them were to Pierce uh, on five catches. He had one touchdown, the long of 40. Um, he was awesome. 
Like this team is is finding ways to win, and that is incredibly important because, like uh, like one of these commenters had to say, uh, "Oh, Nate, uh, it's hard to go undefeated against any circumstances." Period. Like it is very easy to play down to the level of competition, especially when you were expecting to win. So, I you know. Modest Cowboy jumped in and said, shout out to Tulsa. They played Oklahoma State tough. They played Ohio State relatively tough, and now they've played Cincinnati. They have had a very tough schedule this year. Yeah, the the issue is, like, again, consistency, volatility, et cetera. This Tulsa team lost to a not good Navy team, and Navy didn't throw a pass last week. Um, and then you're in a game at Cincinnati where game day shows up, where Cincy is supposed to be pissed off because of how low they were ranked in the CFP rankings. I, you know... You you expect more from Cincinnati. Yes, what Chris was talking about with Ford kind of changes the game, but all in all, and Cincinnati went up fourteen to nothing early, right? But then Tulsa comes yes. right back, makes this a fourteen to twelve game at the half, like, and then you know since he jumped back out twenty eight twelve, but then they give up points again, and it becomes a game, and then they are in a, a fight for their lives at the end of the ball game. And I don't look down on this uh, as much as. Um, as I'm just confused, like I, I just I I'm curious what the what the next step is, right? Um, I don't know, Chris. Give me give me some more thoughts here on on Cincy. Well, I mean, I I just I don't know how how serious the injury is with Ford. If he's out for a long period of time, it's going to be a problem for their offense, and and that's just. Because it's such a big part of their offense, that would be like he's not as good as this person. But that would that would be like taking Walker the third off of Michigan State. Like, yeah, you you just can't take your most dynamic weapon away and think you you're not going to be able to make adjustments when it happens in the middle of a game. There are no adjustments to just be able to fix that quickly. Okay, so the offensive game plan stays as it is. You're using other guys that don't necessarily do what he does to try to. To, to, to build another player like him on the field on the fly. I think this coming week they'll look better than they did this week if Ford doesn't play because they'll have a week of practice and they'll have a week of game planning and, and they'll be able to, to uh, you know, put guys in better situations that they're more suited for. Yeah. Um, Devise a scheme without him. Like, but I, but I, yeah, but, but losing him in the middle of a game, that's a hard fault game. You just want to get out of there with a win. I don't, like I said, we we look down at Cincinnati for doing it, but no one looks down at Ohio State. No one looks down at Alabama. Everyone wants to continue to make excuses for those teams, but they want to crush this team and say, look, see, they're not very good. They almost lost to Tulsa. Yeah, well, Ohio State was in a dogfight with Nebraska, and they suck cock. <laughs> hey, Seth Garcia said, does Michigan control their destiny? Double O'Neill said no. Uh, I disagree. Uh, Michigan was number seven in the first playoff rankings. You beat Penn State, you beat Ohio State, you win the Big Ten Championship, you're going to be in the playoff. Yes, they control their destiny. Okay, you win out, you're going to be there. Period. Um, speaking of Big Ten, Ohio State, 26, Nebraska 17, and Scott Frost. Brother, I. at what point do you stop relying on a 500 field goal kicker? This isn't the field goal kicker's fault. This is... You are not playing to win. You're not being yep. aggressive. And that's not what we saw out of you at UCF. Like, this is yeah. ridiculous. He's the, coaching scared. Yes. And I, I, I really, 
there was a point yesterday. So I had I had a Ohio State minus fourteen and a half in this game because when I looked at the matchups, like my numbers said that it should be Ohio State minus eleven. But I looked at the matchups and I said, okay, there are holes that Ohio State can take advantage of. The the Nebraska defense coordinator, by the way, needs to be high up on a lot of job lists if uh, if Scott Frost were to be fired. Um, I think he's going to find a good landing spot because what he's been able to do with this defense has been pretty awesome. Like they, all of their games that they have lost this season, sans this one, have been one possession losses. And it, how funny, by the way, at the end of the ball game, um, da, 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 the last drive for Nebraska when they're trying to get down the field and score some points quick ends with an interception. Right, like yeah. it's it's almost like clockwork. It's, it's it's every it's everything you know of Adrian Martinez. I am. This is a school I kind of want to see Jeff Brown go to. It would be a lot of fun. I I think he could fix it. I think, I think it would he's look a actual, lot like Purdue. He's a, he's a real he's a real offensive mind. Not 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 one of those fake ones like Scott Frost is. He's a real offensive mind. He's an architect. Yeah, no, he definitely he is. Can, he can build it from the ground up. They uh they held. Ohio State to two field goals in the second half. Um, I just, or sorry, three field goals in the second half. I, I don't know what to make of this. I, I don't think Ohio State is very good. Like, we we all assumed that there were two uh, sure things in college football this season, and that was Ohio State's offense and Georgia's defense. And I don't know that that is the case. Uh, C.J. Stroud had two interceptions in this game, uh, he still passed for 405 yards. They, at some point, decided, yeah, you know what, We they still ran the ball 30 times. Um, but, you know, only 90 yards. They couldn't do anything against that Nebraska defense. Nebraska outrushed them. Um, I I just, you know, Nebraska won, uh, won turnovers. They won rushing yards. They won penalty yards. They, I, I don't know. I know what else they could have done. In this game, and that is not not play scared, like be aggressive, go go and try and get these points, try and do something. Because what does it matter if you lose by twenty one or if you lose by nine? Like you're you're fighting for your life here, and you know now Nebraska's three and seven. You got nothing else really to play for other than pride in the last two ball games. What I <laughs> I don't know what to make of Nebraska. Like this is. We we could talk about them being maybe the best three and seven team in the country. <laughs> what the hell does that get you? I mean, they're just not good. They're just not good. I mean, they they're they're not. And Scott hadn't got it done, and Adrian hadn't got it done, and it is time for somebody new to be in that seat. I don't know who that's going to be, but but I I think almost anybody's got to be better than what you got. I I thought so. At one point yesterday, this game was twenty three to seventeen. And Nebraska drove down the field and and missed a field goal. Didn't take a shot. Like, fourth and four at the Ohio State 13, and you are down by six points, and you don't go for it. Your offense has been able to move the ball. It was an 11-play drive. Netted them uh, 58 yards. Do, do you think, like, do you think he would be coaching? Does he think that if he keeps these games close, he can save his job? Do you think that the? Do you think that if he knew he had already lost his job, he would be coaching differently, like an Ed Orgeron situation? Do you think if he knew he was out no matter what, 
he would be he would be far more aggressive. But he thinks, well, if I keep these games close, you know, and I cover lines for my for my boosters and stuff of that nature, then maybe they'll bring me back next year and and let me try to you know run it with somebody else at quarterback. Uh, I don't know what your I don't know what you're thinking as a coach to be so conservative when you're bad. Like it's easy for these bad teams to be super aggressive, to be ultra aggressive, right? Because you got nothing else to lose. If you play the game straight up, you're going to get beat. It's just a matter of how much, but if you, if you break the rules, if you play unorthodox style, if you do things that they're not expecting to do, then you have a chance of pulling off a miracle. You have a chance of doing something special that everybody will remember forever. But playing the game straight up does you no good at all to just line up in a row, 11 on 11, let's go right at them. When it's time to punt, we punt. When we can kick a field goal, we settle for a field goal. If we don't make it, we don't make it. We tried. Like, this is not what you should be doing. This is how you play when you're a big dog. This is how you play when you're the guy that's playing from the front. This is not how you're supposed to play when you're a 14-point dog, when nobody's expecting you to be in these games. Well, Will, so there is something to the idea that maybe he hasn't really changed his mentality um, from being the big dog. Because when he was at Oregon as the offensive coordinator, he was a big dog. When he was at uh, UCF, they were a big dog. And now they are uh, You don't think he knows that he's not? I think that I think by he now looks, at this point in time you don't think he realizes he should. I'm, I'm just a puppy playing with big boys. He he should know that, uh, but I think part of the problem is that he has been able to keep some of these games so close, so that if we just have one thing bounce the right way for us, we can get this win. And if I coach the same way and we have something bounce our way, then we'll get it done. When and you're I, just depending on luck. That's that's just a fool's errand. This is why you right. got to go. This is why you can't be a coach. You can't hope that something happens for you. We're not paying you millions of dollars that you're going out here hoping that the ball bounces your way. We're paying you substantial amounts of money because you got to be able to figure out the best way to compete against guys, A, that are lesser than you, equal to you, and better than you. And you have to game plan differently. And if you draw up the same plan for all three of those opponents, then you ain't the guy that deserves to cash a check. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, ben jumped in on the comments. Scott Frost is still there because of when he played there. He'll be gone next year, though. Uh, Double O'Neill said, uh, or no, Seth said, does uh, does Michigan can their coach if they can't beat Ohio State? I don't think so this year. They've been pretty good. Um, Modest Cowboy said, I big agree with you on Ohio State. True freshman quarterback is going to make huge mistakes in big games. Feels like their coaches are a bit worried to open it up since CJ is a freshman. Um, it, well, CJ is a, a sophomore, but this is his first year starting. Uh, but at this point in the season, he is he's a veteran. Like he yeah, has no, been Nobody's a practice. freshman today. Like, at, bottom line. Like he's once you get to November, we're all done being underclassmen. Exactly. You've got enough reps on, unless this is your first start. Like somebody got hurt and you walk in the door. If you started all year, you you no longer get the underclassmen treatment. You should be a veteran by now. Yeah. Uh, unless you're Chandler Morris and, and we saw what Chandler Morris did. So mm-hmm. um let's see. Uh <laughs> Gary Lewis said trivia. Uh the one year Frost was uh, offensive coordinator at Oregon, they had lesser talent and experience and didn't do well that lone season. And then Frost left after that season. 
yeah, the offense was still pretty good uh, there, but it's it's that mentality at Oregon where you are expected to be really, really good, and then he took the UCF job. So, yeah. you know, but he, he was, uh, what, a wide receivers coach, I believe, uh, before that. So, like, he, he had been at Oregon for a little bit. Um, I, I'm, I'm so, I don't know. I just don't understand why he, he does things the way he does. I do want to give a shout-out, by the way, Jackson Smith and Jigba, uh, 15 receptions, 240 yards, one touchdown for Ohio State. Absolutely showed out, was the best player on on the field uh, yesterday. So, uh, Chris Olave, you know, seven receptions, 61 yards. Garrett Wilson was out for this game. Uh, I don't know that it would have mattered had he played, but yeah. either way. I did want to bring up another Big Ten game, Illinois, 14, Minnesota 6. And, brother, um, I just cannot understand Minnesota at all. Bielema, baby, four wins on the season, already hit the over for the uh, for the year for my boy. Got uh, got two games left, uh, you know, chance to go bowling. Uh, they've still got Northwestern left. They have got uh, – who, who's their next game up against? Uh, ooh, Hang on. I'm Iowa. About to, I'm about, I'm at about Iowa. Say, it's going, I don't think they can win out to go bowling. Uh, but maybe, hell, hey, dude. I, you never I know. give them a punch of chance. They're at Iowa. Iowa, you know, going back to Kinnick going to be tough, but – it, it certainly is. If you look at the uh, the numbers in this game, Brandon Peters, 7 out of 9 passing for 80 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Chase Brown has just been unbelievable the last few weeks. Uh, 32 carries, 147 yards. They uh, they ran for 185 yards. They passed for 80, and they found a way to beat Minnesota, who uh, threw, you know, Tanner Morgan threw two interceptions. Uh, you, you look at the drive chart, immediately, right off the bat, Minnesota threw an interception on their first drive, led to points, and Minnesota, I don't think, can play from behind. I think their entire mentality changes when they are behind in a football game. This is a team now in Minnesota that is and 6-3. They were ranked in the, the top 20 of the CFP playoff. They beat Nebraska. They beat Purdue on the road. They won at Colorado. They hung tight with Ohio State. And yet they lost to Bowling Green and Illinois, both at home. This is this is going to be so. I talk about weird resumes. Mississippi State, I think, at the end of the year is going to have the weirdest resume of anybody in the country, in my opinion. Uh, this is this resume is going to be up there. Okay, it's it's going to be up there. Yeah, with yeah. just with just when you look at who they played, who they beat, and who they lost to, and what the expectations were before the season started, you're going to say, "What in the hell is this?" It. Uh, How do we get here? You play the season a million times over, you don't get something like this. Yeah, no, no, you're you're 100 right. Uh, looked up Scott Frost here. He was the offensive coordinator from 2013 through 2015. He was the wide receivers coach from 2009 through 2012. Uh, in 2013, that is when no 2014 is when they made the um, the college football playoff national title game and got blasted by Ohio State. Uh, yeah, the offenses were pretty good in 2013-2014. Like, Marcus Mariota, that bunch, like, yeah, he was he was a big dog at that point. Roger Coover jumped in. Frost was O-coordinator at Oregon. Uh, national Championship, you guys don't know much about the team on the field at Nebraska right now. I know that they don't have as much talent as Ohio State does, and they were still in that game, and he played scared. Period. I, I, I don't know what else you want me to say. Um, yeah, I'm not, I don't care about I don't care about what he did a decade ago. I don't care about what he did at these other schools because he's not doing that here. Okay, his offenses were good there, but guess what? The head coaches, this is what I always say, Gary, the head coaches at those schools 
were the offensive geniuses. They were the architects of the offense, not Scott Frost. I know he had the OC title, but he wasn't the architect. All right. Uh, Elvin, oh, Gary said, I drank the Frost uh, UCF Kool-Aid. I was wrong. It wasn't just you, brother. It was everybody. Oh, no, no, no. We all did. We yeah. all thought, because we all thought he was this great offensive mind. He's yeah. not. He was. He's a great recruiter when he's at schools that can pull talent. Okay? Yes. But he goes to Nebraska where it's really hard to recruit, and he can't He can't sell the program to kids. He, I, he can't get into the South, and he can't get out West, and he can't get to the Northeast where big pockets of talent are and convince kids to go to Nebraska. You need somebody who can either, A, do that, or B, who's proven that they are capable of winning with uh, developing talent. We haven't seen Frost develop one player from a two-star to a three-star or a four-star. Not once has he done that since being at Nebraska. Uh, Elvin jumped in. Does Nebraska want to jump in a coaching search for teams like USC and LSU? I don't think they come out good in that group. They are pulling from a different pool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they're no, not no, looking it, at the same coaches. They're not looking at the same coaches. And, and you got to remember, every year, somebody from a high-profile big school is going to be looking for a coach, whether it's a retirement or uh, the coach left or a coach is fired. One way or another, there we haven't had a, a year go by that I can ever remember in my life where big-time programs weren't looking for a coach. So you're always competing against somebody, and Gary's right on that. You're, you're not fishing in the same pond. You're not getting a James Franklin to come talk to you. Mel Tucker's not leaving Michigan State for for your school. Like those guys, Lane Kiffin's not leaving Ole Miss for your yeah. school. They're not taking those interviews. You're you're going to be fishing in the. But here's the thing: I think the pond you can go fish in is a hell of a pond. Yes, all right. It's a really. Good I do pond. think you can go, and I know Purdue fans have got to be hating my guts right now, but <laughs> I I think you can pick up the phone and call Abram and say, "Hey, man, we got a lot more money and." How many kids have you tried to get into Purdue that can't get into Purdue? Guess what? They we can get their ass in Nebraska. Yeah, that's true. That is. How true. many of them can't get into Purdue? We can get them in here. Ed, you, you're not wrong. You are so not I, wrong. I, I'm just. I'm just saying there are there are guys that you go after and there are guys that you don't, and you you got to kind of know who you are if you're if you think that you can pull Lane Kiffin. I mean, make the call. If you're the AD, it's your responsibility to make the call. If you think you can get a Jimbo, be my guest. Make that call. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, shoot your shot, you know. But that's not that's not where you're going to fish from. It's uh, yeah, yeah. You're 100 right. 100 right. Um, let's move on to uh, another game, right quick, because I do have I've got more that I want to hit. We may have to kind of run through them. Um, Texas A and M. Uh, again, I've said this multiple times. I got the saying from you. Texas A&M put Auburn in a locker. Yeah, Period. they did. Uh, Auburn drove inside the A&M 40-yard line twice. They only got one field goal out of that. Uh, you just look at the game overall. And whew, uh, held Auburn to 226 total yards. Uh, A&M outgained them 409 to 226. They outrushed them 217 to 73. Isaiah Spiller, 21 carries, 112 yards. Zach Calzada, like this is the first game for both of these teams where they have actually played against a good defense in quite some time. Right. And both and, of them struggled. And both of them really, really struggled. Uh, Bo Nix, 20 out of 41, 153 yards passing and one interception. Tank Bigsby, 15 carries, 69 yards. Um, Auburn could do nothing. So 
This game, this game, we want to go fast. So let me tell you what I think about this game. This game is exactly what I thought AM had to do to win this game, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Against LSU, against Arkansas, and against Ole Miss, Bo Nix did one thing. Bo Nix ran for 200 yards left and right. Yes. All right. To get guys open and to make plays down the field. And he did it all day long against LSU, Ole Miss, and Arkansas. He couldn't do that against AM. AM put him in a bottle. AM tackled him. He finished rushing yards for negative 18 because they kept all of the times that he was able to get away from those other three defenses. He couldn't get away from Texas AM. And I've said it ever since the LSU game. If you can tackle him and stop him from doing that, then he can't beat you. If he just sits in the pocket and tries to throw dimes and throw lasers, he can't do that. But when he gets to making shit up, he's really hard to stop. Yes. A&M didn't allow him to do that. They couldn't get first downs. They couldn't get into – you talked about how few times they even got into the red zone. They finished with three points. Well, I mean, they, they, they didn't, couldn't – I don't even think they got in the red zone, did they? No, that's what I'm saying. They couldn't they, even – They get, got inside the 40. They couldn't even get to the red zone, and that's what I was saying. They, they, they just – they made everything really difficult on him He's a dynamic player if you cannot tackle him behind the line of scrimmage. But if you can, it's they're, they're tough to beat. And then by doing that, you also bottle up Tank. Tank still got almost 70 yards. That guy is a monster. But he doesn't have the breakaway speed to gas you for 30 yards and a touchdown. He's not scoring from the 40, okay? Yeah. It, it just makes everything hard. I'll tell you this, A&M scored. They better be damn lucky they scored on a couple of defensive plays because they weren't getting much either. Auburn's uh, defense played unbelievable in this game. That's the only reason this game got out of hand was because A&M's defense put points on the board. They uh, they did get in the red zone on both of those attempts. They got to the 15 and they got to the 16. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, just... And that's it's nuts, and and yet I still think Auburn is going to beat Alabama at the end of the season, uh, because crazy shit happens in in Jordan Hare. Uh, Modest Cowboy jumped in, enjoying the high quality college football talk this morning. No narrative building, just shooting the shit. Very much enjoy it. Uh, and Ball, it. Ball Python Love said, "I can't wait for next Saturday, Nevada versus San Diego State Mountain West Championship this week." Uh, yes, you are correct about that, my friend. Uh, next it's gonna be an awesome game. Oh, Where's really that, is that at San Diego? I think it's at San Diego State. I'll have to look. I, I don't I know. I haven't, looked, I haven't looked the next week at all yet, but that's that's one that's going to be up there. It most certainly is. Uh, next game on the board here, we have got South Carolina forty, Florida seventeen. Now I will go on and preface this by saying that Florida did have a lot of dudes that were taking IVs, and a ball python love said it's at San Diego State. That's right. There you go. Um, there you go. They uh they had a lot of dudes out with like the flu and whatnot, and that's been going around a bunch of colleges down in Florida, and it's not. COVID, it is the flu, yeah. like legitimately the flu. Emory Jones played in this game uh, after testing positive for the flu. Now, even still, you would not expect Florida to get completely manhandled by a South Carolina team that could do nothing against anybody, basically all season. This is a team that beat Vanderbilt 21-20 to on a last-second touchdown. They like, needed a miracle, a miracle. To beat Vanderbilt. Yes. And yet they they were up thirty to ten at the half against Florida. Florida did not they didn't look like they wanted to be there. Like this was yards per play, South Carolina averaged seven yards per play with a first time FBS starting quarterback in Jason Brown. Now he came over from St. Francis as a transfer. He had played in the FCS and whatnot, but it's not like this dude was 
was bonkers lights out at St. Francis. I looked up his numbers. He was good. He was he wasn't this is not an SEC quarterback. He was a third stringer for a reason. And yet, because of the the injury to uh Zeb Nolan and the injury to Luke Doty, he got called into action. He was 14 out of 24 for 175 yards and two touchdowns. Kevin Harris ran all over Florida's defense. 16 carries, 128 yards. Uh Zaquandre Wright uh, White, excuse me, had 13 carries for 111 yards. Uh, Marshawn Lloyd, 7 for 46. Like, South Carolina did anything they wanted to in this game. And it led me to, like, this is the only note that I've got written down here. Dan Mullen admitted that his team threw in the towel after the SEC championship game last year. Like he said, this is not the 20, you know, 20 Florida team that lost to Oklahoma. Like, he, he told everybody they quit. And now, when you put that out there, Hang on. In, go ahead. No, finish your finish your statement. When you put that out there, and you you give off the vibes that it is acceptable to not give a crap after your goals cannot be met anymore. Which after they lost to Georgia, the SEC East was a lot a wash. They when they lost to Kentucky, it was a wash. But when you lose to Georgia, it's done. Right now, again, they do have a ton of guys that had you know illnesses and whatever else, I get it. But I'm curious, this is a strange question. Is Dan Mullen trying to get, like, is he trying to get fired? This is the dumbest shit that we talk about. This is the stuff that I hate, Gary. All right, go this ahead. Give me, stuff give me that your I hate. thoughts. So, so saying, saying that we are not, like, when he lost to Alabama in the SEC title game last year, his season was over with. They were playing and an exhibition game and we call them bowl games that don't matter where all of his upperclassmen aren't going to play anyway. So, so yes, that's just a practice game. It's just a scrimmage game. It's an exhibition to say that we weren't like super game planning. And we're basically using that for an excuse to get the extra practices going into the next season. And saying that has nothing to do with, we're still playing in the damn season. Okay. Then give me your thoughts on on what happened. Yesterday. They're just bad. They're just a bad football team, Gary. Is that not okay? Like, is it not and, possible for them to just be bad? No, it's definitely possible. Um, but do so you think it's more likely? You think it's more likely that a highly competitive individual in the highest competitive field in the world in college football is willing to just take his resume, destroy his character going forward with any other team trying to get any other job because he just wants to get paid so he can leave. You think he's willing to do that? I See, that's what I don't know. And that's why yes, I'm asking you do the question. Know. Yeah, I, no, you're at, you do know that. I, you do know that. I, I will tell you this. If you don't know that, then that's shame on you. No, if here's you don't the thing. know that. I thought that I knew a lot of things. I don't always know everything, so I'm willing to question everything, right? This does not look like a Dan Mullen football team that we have become accustomed to over the years. His teams at Mississippi State never looked like this. Like it, it they they got whipped by some really good football teams. They didn't get whipped by by a South Carolina team that was like this, right? It just I, I don't know even what to make of what has happened at Florida this season. Like, yes, there were games that they were in that they lost due to mistakes, et cetera, and there were mistakes made in this ballgame, 
But it wasn't the mistakes that got them beat. It was they just got manhandled the entire ball game. At, at what point do we look? It, it's it's the same question with TCU, right? The TCU that we saw against Baylor, that's way different than what we saw before that. If the if the players have quit on him, that's a completely different question. Are you saying what? That's not what you asked. You, right, right, right. You're so asking, it's, it's, is you're he right. trying to get himself fired? You're asking, is he is he putting together a game plan that he knowingly knows is going to lose? That's the question that you just asked. You're right. You're That's right. That's not I, the question. I, I had brought up two different topics. Because and losing I tried the to locker room is totally different. Having your players quit on you is something sometimes you can't control, okay? True. If you've made mistakes in the media or you've made mistakes in coaching that have rubbed players the wrong way to a point where they don't want to play for you, that's a completely different situation, and some of the greatest coaches in the world have done that in the past, by the way. True. So that that's not an unhirable offense ever again all right it's a fireable fence but it doesn't mean you're blacklisted from ever getting another job if you openly are throwing games tanking games so you can get fired and get your buyout that that is a completely different thing and that's what you asked we uh we just lost your video i have no idea why i haven't touched anything everything in my house is exactly the same well, we, we got a nice big picture of you and Chewbacca, so I'm like we, we still go. got your audio, so it's all good. Uh, oh, there we, there go. we go. I have no idea how that happened, but <laughs> I, I literally my hands were right here being screaming in the thing. Yeah, and somehow it something got clicked. Either way, either way, we. But that's why I find that question to be ridiculous, Gary. That's, and that's that is why, totally. Do you fair. think he's lost the locker room? That's a legitimate question. That's a fair question. So let's go to that. We answer to that. Let's go to that one. Um, I don't know the because, no, I don't, I don't think that he is trying to get fired. I do okay. think that well, he... That's what you asked, though, right? Right. That's what I asked. Okay. Right. Just making sure um, that I didn't make that up. No, no, no. You didn't. You didn't. Because I did talk about the team quitting and him possibly trying to get fired at the same time, and I shouldn't have asked it together. Um, the, the question here is, yes, did the team quit on him? And it kind of looks like that right now. Now, who's... We don't know the extent of... All the guys getting IVs. They had to take two separate planes, one with uh, the kids that were sick and one with the kids that weren't, and whatever, right? You know what we're not doing? We're not talking enough about South Carolina. South Carolina don't want to hear shit about the players you don't have because they literally have spent 80% of the year playing a GA at quarterback, okay? Yes. Because they don't have anybody that can take snaps at the quarterback, and now that guy can't even take snaps, and they're playing somebody who was behind him. So they don't give one hot damn about your inability to bring a fully staffed football team. I'm so sorry that you came into Columbus and got your ass whooped by a bunch of also-rans who nobody else wanted. I'm really sorry that all your stars couldn't make it. Uh, Double O'Neill said, so Florida, is it that good? Do I get to move Georgia's win over a crappy team? Does that get downgraded now? Uh, It was downgraded to begin with. When Georgia beat them, they already had four losses. Like, this is not a good – this team may not make a bowl game. Like, do I think that they're not going to make – like, I think they will. Um, But then again, I don't know. I mean, (laughs) Double O'Neill said, oh, my God, my spell checker went insane, not what I typed. Uh, I – Florida is not a good team. They don't look invested at all in this season. They don't care. Anthony Richardson, by the way, did not play in this game. He is still out due to concussion protocol because he got whooped against Georgia, period. Um, but this was this was embarrassing. I mean, South Carolina, only one penalty for five yards. Um, they had 459 total yards. 
They had 175 passing yards, and I they did, were able to run for 284 yards on Florida. I didn't, I didn't see this coming. I'm not going to pretend that I predicted this at all. I did think before the season started, South Carolina was going to be bad. They were going to struggle to get wins. I thought they would get one marquee win because it's something that that program has kind of historically done, even when they've underperformed and had bad years. They always find a way to beat somebody they're not supposed to. And I'm not saying a pretty good Missouri team, they beat them. No, I'm talking about a big boy, a blue blood, a one who always belongs. They always find a win to get one, a way to get one of those wins. I didn't see it. I didn't predict it. But before the season started, I thought they'd get one, and they're about out of chances. So, did you, did you see? Uh, do you remember who it was last year that they beat? Uh, it wasn't last year. Two years ago, it was no, Georgia, right? Uh, two, well, no, that was twenty seventeen. Uh, no, twenty eighteen. Twenty eighteen. That was eighteen. Th- um, three years ago. Nineteen. I don't. I don't remember them having one in twenty nineteen. Uh, Maybe twenty twenty. Uh, early in the season, before Muschamp got fired and everything, kind of you know. That, yeah, fell apart. Tailspin from there. Uh, they beat Auburn, who was a That's top right. 15 team in the country at that point. That's right. It's one of the games that probably cost Gus's job. Yeah. Yeah, because Auburn could, could show up in big spots, but but lose to you South Carolina. Ex- just yeah, because you could have excused a lot of the rest of Auburn's losses, but you can't excuse that one. So that's probably that's probably the one that was the, the coffin in it. That was the nail in it. More than likely. More than likely. Um, let's move off of that. Let's move to Tennessee and Kentucky. Uh yeah, yikes! Like it just unbelievable. Kentucky ran ninety nine plays to only forty seven for Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee had nine point eight five yards per play, and that was uh, including the shotgun kneel downs at the end of the ball game. Before those kneel downs, it was actually well over ten yards a play. They were averaging a first down every time they touched the football. Every time they touched the ball. Like, <laughs> uh, so, so my my live my live feed for SBR yesterday. Um, I talked about this game. This was one of my picks uh, taking Tennessee. I didn't. I didn't get a lot right yesterday. By the way, got a lot, a lot big wrong. But this was one I got right, and it didn't go the way I thought it would. But almost everything I thought. Basically, I said Tennessee wants to play fast, and Tennessee wants to score fast, and Kentucky wants to play really slow, and Kentucky wants to score really slow. But I thought both of these teams wanted to run the football because I've seen Tennessee's run game be really good. That's where I was wrong. Hendon Hooker played his absolute balls off in this game, and it was in incredible that kid was slinging darts he was throwing the deep ball he was throwing the touch pass he was lasering balls in when he had to fit them in a window he made every pass he absolutely had to make i love watching this kid play football also we're a couple of weeks removed from that that kentucky defense being one of the best defenses in the country kind of looking a little shitty right now uh you are not wrong about that uh kentucky on offense outgained tennessee Four, uh, sorry, six twelve to four sixty one. They outpassed them three eighty seven to three sixteen. The difference there is it took Kentucky fifty passes to get there, and it took Tennessee twenty. Well, um, <laughs> some some of that some of that is field position though. The reason Tennessee didn't have that many yards is because they were getting the ball at the fifty yard line or forty yard line a lot, and Kentucky was going from the twenty five. Uh, All there, day long. There was a little bit to that. Um, it, Kentucky rushing yards, 225 to 145. Uh, difference there, of course, 
Kentucky ran the ball 49 times, and Tennessee only had to run it 27. Uh, 27? I, I would have lost yeah. my ass off on that because I, I, I did play a couple of props in this game because I like this game. I wanted to have my focus on this game for most of the night. I did. And um, I, I, I absolutely lost because I had a lot of Tennessee rushing overs. I had a lot yeah. of Kentucky rushing overs, which did pretty well on Tennessee rushing overs were all losers, and I knew they were going to be losers after the first half. There was no catching up. Time of possession here. Kentucky 46 minutes and 8 seconds, and Tennessee 13 minutes and 52 seconds. They scored 45 points in 13 minutes and 52 seconds. One team wanted to play fast. The other team wanted to play slow. That's exactly how it went. I did not see Tennessee getting 10 yards the, of thro- uh, play. Uh, that, well, that's just, hey, per completion. Never saw that. It was over 21 yards per completion. Now, Never, never saw that. There was a, there was a chance. Uh, now, they said the kid stepped out of bounds, but there was a chance that the first three passes for Hendon Hooker were going to be uh, 75-yard touchdown passes. <laughs> like, the first yes. two were, and the third one right. got down inside, like, the, the 20-yard line. So, right. I mean, just uh, just absurd. Uh, Tennessee, uh, and if you look at Tennessee's schedule coming up, uh, they got Georgia this week. Mm, I mean, they're sitting at 5-4, and four, but after that, you got South Alabama and you got Vanderbilt. A uh, strong possibility of seven and five, and the only thing that stands between Georgia and an undefeated regular season really is Tennessee. And who knows? I mean, they got to play in well, Athens. I, so let's play. Let's play a game. Okay. Today, around three o'clock, probably around one o'clock, that line will come out because it's Georgia, and the whole country will be thinking about it. What do you think that number opens at? Uh, hold on. Let me let me grab my sheet here. Uh, I think because I don't. So you do a bunch of metrics, you do a bunch of analytics. I just watch football games. I still think that line is nineteen. It's not. I bet it's not three touchdowns, but I bet it's real damn close. Uh, nope. I well, I'm gonna say it's over there. I think Georgia minus twenty two. Okay, so we're we're not too far apart, but the yeah. the three scores against well, mine I guess is three scores also. Uh, three touchdowns against you know three scores. A little bit of difference, yeah, just a little bit, just a little bit. But it, it, yeah, it'll be it'll be around. It'll be a big downs. number. It'll be a big number. If you think Tennessee can make this game close at all, I will tell you this will be the best test that Georgia's defense will actually have faced. Because while they've looked unbelievable, they really haven't played anybody that actually knows how to score the football. Okay, yeah, now, you're, and you're that's right. not a knock on them. A lot of those guys don't know how to score the football because Georgia just beats the shit out of them. Yes, but. They haven't played anybody with a capable offense. Now, some of that is a very damning, damning evidence on the SEC. I love this conference. There are only about three good offensive teams in this conference this year. That's it. That's yeah. the list. And yeah. they're all in the West. Well, Tennessee's now in the East, but the other two are in the West. Yeah. And you're, one of them's not great. You're right. You know, Ole Miss, Ole Miss isn't great, but they can score. Alabama's they, they can. pretty damn good. They can score, and Tennessee can score. Other than that, Nobody's got an offense that anybody in the country should be scared of. No, you're you're not wrong about that. You are not wrong. Uh, we have got a few more. I want to just rapid fire kind of kind of through these. Um, Boise State forty, Fresno State fourteen. Boise's post game win expectancy was ninety nine percent. They were up sixteen to seven at the half. Difference in this game, I think, was the turnovers. Uh, Fresno had three of them that led directly to fourteen points for Boise. Boise had one that did not lead to any points for Fresno. Jake Hayner, uh, three interceptions, two touchdowns, was 22 out of 38, 279 yards. Rodney Rivers was back in this game. He ran 12 times for 79 yards. 
the difference here was Boise State looked like a completely different football team. They George Halani ran 21 times for 117 yards, uh, 5.6 per carry. Like he looked good, and Hank Bachmeyer uh, hit on some some pretty big plays. Uh, you know. He had a 29-yard pass, a 40-yard pass, a 48-yard pass, a 37-yard pass, a 30-yard pass, a 20. Like, <laughs> Fresno's defense could yeah. not stop him. Um, That's right. And, and that was the tail of the ballgame. Like, it, this was this was very interesting to look at. Um, this is the Boise team everybody has basically waited all year for, right? They yeah. got a pretty big marquee win against BYU. But other than that win, they haven't really looked impressive or beaten anybody in, in a – that anybody thinks is really good. Well, there's, and, it, it, it all comes back to exactly what I said at the beginning of the show, volatility and consistency. It, that's right. That they, this is a game where Boise said we kicked the shit out of them. And it's a little too late for the, for the mountain West for it to matter. Cause I don't think you're getting two losses, you know, from a, you know, Nevada or a, or San Diego state, which we talked about earlier. Like those teams aren't losing two more conference games for Boise to, to jump them. Yeah. Uh, Clemson, 30. Louisville, 24. Um, okay, like, I, I got the cover here with Clemson, but I still don't feel good about them. Um, they, they looked awful. They looked absolutely awful. Cunningham the, hey, post-game played win expectancy. his ass off. Post-game win expectancy here. Uh, Louisville, 77%. Yeah, so because you work under the assumption that that final drive, Cunningham played his ass off to get down to the goal line, whatever. The entire fourth quarter, he's limping every play. That guy has played hurt the entire season. I don't know that I've seen a game where him – there's never – what Matt Corral is doing at Ole Miss is unbelievable. Nobody is carrying a team the way Cunningham is carrying Louisville. Cunningham, by the way, 12 out of 20 – excuse me, 12 out of 20 passing, 174 yards. He had 22 carries for 134 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, And that was against a really, really good Clemson defense. Um he did everything that he possibly could to win this game. Uh, yards per play, Louisville won this 5.7 to 5.1. They ran more plays. Um, they were 6 of 17 on third down, so that hurt. But Clemson was only 5 out of 14. So, you know, uh, they outgained Clemson 397 to 338. I, the fact that they got 223 rushing yards, Louisville did, I, I mean, that's, that's a feat in and of itself against Clemson. Like, it, Clemson does not allow people to do that. Uh, because it's it's not been their defense that has lost them ball games. It has been their nope. offense. And you I, know, I, DJ I Satterfield. Like, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I thought I thought Satterfield and Cunningham could could move the ball on them and score. They did. They got to twenty four, and I thought that was going to be enough to win. I didn't think Clemson had the balls to go down the field and 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 punch it in. Absolutely did look like shit doing it, and it looked like it was really hard for them against a not great Louisville team. But uh, then Louisville gets the ball back. They got it's like a minute 20 left, minute 40, something like that left, and they get right down the field in like four plays. And all four of those plays, like I said, Cunningham's just crawling yeah, himself back, back to the huddle. And it's just I don't know what to do. I, I haven't seen a guy do – do this much with so little and do it while it looks like he's just in constant pain. That kid's just, he's somebody that I love to watch. Yeah. I don't know that he's great. I don't know that he's the second coming to Lamar or, 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 or going to be good on the next level, but what he is for Louisville in college football is special. Hey, it's when, special. 
so the beginning of this ball game, how shocked were you to see, knowing what we know about Clemson's offense and Clemson's defense? That's right. And knowing that Cunningham is basically the only weapon for Louisville right now. Correct. For Louisville to come out of the gate. Six plays, seventy-five yards, touchdown, and then score, and then immediate. Clemson comes back. Three plays, seventy-five yards, touchdown, touchdown. Like, yeah, I, I'll tell you this: one of those things I thought could happen, the other one I didn't, and it's the I I thought Louisville was going to be able to score when they scored fast and scored first. I thought I I was right on that, and I liked my chances with that ticket. And then Clemson went down and scored in three plays, and I thought that's not sustainable. Those were the two thoughts I had after the first two drives. I believed one was sustainable and was what I thought is a little confirmation bias. And the other one, I didn't think they could do it all game long. Now, neither one of them were capable of actually doing it all game long. We get a what? 24 to 30 final. Um, But I I just, I thought, God, I kind of was going to, I would have bet everything in my world that final drive after Clemson scored that uh, that that Louisville was going to score that touchdown to win it. The, I really I, would. I will, I, I will say this. I want to give Satterfield I props. It. Yeah, I want to give Satterfield props because he did not play scared, right? Uh, no. I mean, he, like, down at the end of the ball ballgame, um, they, they had four plays that gave them one yard. It did lead to the last field goal that made it a 30-24 to 24 game, and I think that's what he was thinking is, Okay, at the end of the day, we're down by three. If we give up a field goal, we can, you know, get the ball back with, you know, just a few seconds left on the clock. But, like, this will be our shot. This is our only shot is if we go for it on fourth down. Um, Sorry. And they did it. Uh, Louisville did have a missed field goal. That sucked. Got down to the Clemson 34. Uh, but the missed field goal doesn't kill it because if they make that, they still need a touchdown, right? Because they're down by six. No, well, they no, no. Another field goal would have tied it. Another field goal would have tied it um, because they wouldn't have given up that uh, that last field goal by going for it on fourth down. You know, at, right. inside, at, right. like at their own twenty, what six or whatever it was. So yeah, um, it, it the whole thing would have changed had they hit the field goal. But yeah, I was trying to play out the the last yeah. couple of possessions after that, and yeah, I've seen way too many things before I, to remember exactly how it played out. But so and and also, uh, by the way, cheers to uh, Dabo and that bunch for being aggressive. Uh, they had a drive that ended on the Louisville one yard line. Uh, went for it on fourth down, didn't get it, but it pinned them. You know, that's right. So <laughs> that's it, they they did a good job. They did a pretty that's good right. job. Um, I thought Dabo and them were going to let them off the hook. They were trying to save clock at the end. Louisville went for it on third down, didn't get it. No, second down, didn't get it at the end of the game. Dabo and them calls timeout. Louisville and them ran the ball. There's only 40 seconds left. They got 40 seconds basically to get two plays off, which means they don't get to huddle, and they don't get to sub anybody in because you would eat up all of your 40 seconds. You're not going to get both plays off. As soon as Louisville doesn't get it on second down, Dabo calls timeout, and the announcers are saying, oh, he did that to save his, his team's clock if they don't if they give up the touchdown, they could still go down and kick a field goal. And I thought, I don't no, think that's why he called the timeout. I, I thought I, he called you, it to, to make sure that his team was in the proper formation. They had the right defense because yeah. he thought maybe if we give up the score, it's the ball game. Cause yeah. we're, we're not scoring with 20 seconds left. No, no, See, they I were thought never the same score. thing. I was, I was, I was really curious, but I'll tell you this. I think if he doesn't call the timeout, I, I think they have a better shot. Now it worked out for him because they got the stop. Yeah. If Louisville scores there, I, I think you you can hang that loss on Dabo. I would rather say 
Try to get two plays off with a running clock at 40. So by the time you call the second play, we're at 33. And and then that play is going to run. And then we're going to spot the football. And then, you know, unless it's incomplete passes. I guess, I guess no, because you, they could have thrown the ball. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they could have thrown the ball. I just – like, there's a lot of different things that, that were going into that last little bit. Um, but that, it, cheers to it. Like, Clemson has been it bad. Wor- it worked. But, yeah, it, it worked all worked out. All worked. It Clemson's worked been bad, but they, uh, they're they not awful, and the defense is still pretty good. So, uh, we got – brother, I got three more that I want to hit, and we can do them very quickly. Uh, Memphis okay. 28, SMU 25. Memphis makes zero sense <laughs> this season. Memphis's post-game win expectancy here was uh, 77%. Uh, this was – I, I I don't I don't get it. Like Seth Hennigan came back, was thirty four out of fifty three passing, three hundred ninety two yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Um, Memphis could not run the football. Brandon, God, I cannot remember the kid's name. Uh, he like they're a guy that they kind of rely on running the football was out for this game. But Memphis's top two rushers, uh, Weaver, ten attempts for seventeen yards, and Clark, ten attempts for fourteen yards. SMU kind of shut them down. It, 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 overall. 37 carries for 22 yards and one touchdown for Memphis on the ground. Uh, Tanner Mordecai, like, what are we doing? 19 out of 28, 262 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. And I don't, like, I don't understand what let me was tell you, Let me tell you where this game just lost me completely. The fact we get zero points until two minutes, I'm looking at two minutes, 34 seconds left in the first half. Now, the first quarter... This game is scoreless until the first half is over with. Tennessee, uh, uh, SMU scores with two minutes, 34 seconds left. Then Memphis scores with 23 seconds left. And then SMU gets a field goal with four seconds left. In two and a half minutes, we get three scores. We got no scores for almost 30 minutes. So for in, in 27 and a half minutes, zero, nothing, just a garbage football game. And I thought, I don't know what in the hell I'm watching. I have no idea. I, I no longer had faith in SMU at that moment, but I also still don't trust this Memphis team. And then when Memphis comes out, scores two unanswered basically in the third quarter, I kind of think, man, that might we're just not getting enough scoring in this game. That that yeah. might be an insurmountable lead. Memphis scores a third time, and I think at the beginning ball. of the fourth. Yeah. That's ball game. That's ball game. Yeah, it was 28 to 10 at that point. Uh, they give up uh, a touchdown with eight and a half left, uh, and then they give up another touchdown with five minutes and 53 seconds left to make it 28 uh, to 25. Uh, I I just don't – like, this is what I was worried about, right? Uh, there's all these reports that came out about Sonny Dykes, and, and he's got a contract extension that's been sitting on his desk since before the season started, and he hadn't signed it, and there's all these rumors, all this crap going on, and you never know how that affects a team. And right. and for whatever reason, like I, I don't know that that's why they lost this game. Maybe Memphis is a better football team than them. I doubt I, I it. I don't know if that's it, but I do think guys are 18-year-olds are capable of having bad games. You know, 18 to 20-year-olds yeah. are volatile individuals, especially 18 to 20-year-old dudes. And Tanner Mordecai didn't look like the the guy that we have seen for the first five, six weeks of the season. Yes. Yes, 100%. Uh, he, he looked bad. I don't know if it was play calling. He did not look comfortable in that football game at all. Yeah, he never did. Never did. Iowa State 30, Texas 7. Texas led this ball game 7-3 to three at the half and then gave up 27 unanswered in the third and fourth quarter. Game. 
Total yards here, 476 for Iowa State to 207. Uh, Texas had 103 passing yards to 301. So Brocktober may be over, but nobody told Brock Purdy. Um, Rushing yards, 175 to 104 for Iowa State. Uh, Iowa State had 23 first downs to only 11. They it, Iowa State was only 3 of 13 on third down, but it didn't matter. Like, <laughs> this was not turnovers. Like, it, it, Texas had two of them that led to six points for Iowa State. Um, Iowa State had one that led to zero. I You look at the numbers here, and this was just, uh, again, another example of a team putting another team in a locker. I... They slowed Bijan, down Bijan. I didn't think that was capable. Bijan, 90 yards, zero touchdowns. If you do that, you're going to beat the hell out of Texas, and that's kind of what they did. Brees Hall, I thought this was going to be the best running game in the Big 12. Brees Hall, Bijan Robinson, Brees went off, Bijan didn't. Yeah. That was the game. That's the ball game right there. Yeah, Brees Hall, 7.2 yards per rush, 19 for 136 and two touchdowns. Um, he also had two receptions for 13 yards. Uh, they they didn't have anybody else that showed up on offense for Texas. No. Uh, Bijan had eight receptions for 36 yards. Uh, eight receptions on eight targets, by the way. Um, That's right. Double O'Neill said, Chris and Gary, how many of the games do y'all actually watch? So I've got three TVs behind me, one that's right here, and I've got three computer monitors. And I've basically got games on all day. Uh, games that I sit and specifically focus on, I might have one per Saturday that I am only tuned into that one. But for the most part, I'm watching as much action as I possibly can. So I bet I had my eyes on at least 30-something games yesterday. Chris, what? Uh, how many do you watch? I think it's a wildly inefficient way to watch football, and it's, I don't find that enjoyable at all. I, I I have a two TV situation: one that I keep the sound on, and the other one, um, if it if there's two games that I really want to watch at that time period, uh, then then I, I I I can do they're they're on like a corner wall, like one's here, one's here, so I kind of see them both. Um, if if there's one game that there's a second game that I don't care about during a window of time, I'll flip back and forth on the TV with no sound. Uh, but that's it. I can't, I can't do the, there's nine games on at one time because then you don't see anything. The fact that you had the Cincinnati game on and you didn't even know that yeah. their best player got hurt. Like, that you're not able to watch that game. You didn't see yeah. anything that happened in that game. You're just seeing big plays if a big play happens. And that's that, I just think it's a wildly inefficient way to watch football. I don't find it personally enjoyable. I, I can, I've got two large TVs. I can watch both of them and see everything that's going on. I keep the sound on one, and, and the other one is the TV that kind of gets flipped back and forth uh, yeah. between games. And that's so my my thing is I I have this many games on so that if something important is happening at a specific moment then I can pay attention and see what's happening. But if something right? important's happening then we're going to see it because everybody's going to share the highlight out. Yeah, okay, okay. I can I can see that's where you're why, from. That's why I don't understand that logic. It's you you can't find it to do anything, but also don't multitask. Like when I'm sitting and watching football like I mean you could listen. My wife is not real pleased with this, but I'm not doing anything else, okay? Yeah. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm in the kitchen making bread and mopping the floor, and then, you know, I got an eye on the game. No, no, no. I'm sitting and I'm watching. I enjoy this. This is yeah. this is what I enjoy. This, this is what, what I do. do. You you do the same thing on uh, on NFL Sundays. That's so, right. Um, I so when I'm actually at games, thing I figured out uh, the Varsity Network Learfield Sports app. Um, 
they have this thing called the College Football Blitz, where they take you live to like big moments in games basically all day. And that has actually been really uh, entertaining this season. So whenever I'm actually in Tuscaloosa or I'm at the Liberty Bowl or whatever else, that's what I pay attention. So I've, I've got my earpiece in, and I'm listening to that to, to keep up with everything else that's going on. Last thing I wanted to hit on was the uh, Academic Prowess Bowl up in Seattle that was a, a rainstorm and everything else that you could think of. Uh, Oregon, 26, Washington, 16. Cristobal's comments after the game. I, I pulled these up specifically. I wanted to read them. Um, everything played into Mario Cristobal's hand from his rival, repeatedly placing his foot in his mouth to the weather that allowed Travis Dye and the Ducks to obliterate the Huskies on the ground. Oregon erased an early deficit, quieted the crowd by the half, and then snuffed anything interesting out of this game in front of a mostly empty Husky stadium in the second half. The Ducks won 26-16. They are 8-1 and one with a one-game lead in the Pac-12 North, and after a week of playing everything close to the vest, Oregon's fourth-year coach unleashed when he reached the visiting locker room. Those fucking guys right there, Cristobal said of Washington, captured through multiple players' live social media feeds, which, again, I don't know why players would be live-streaming their coach in a locker room after a game, but either way, uh, he said... Washington represents everything that's wrong with football. So when you kick their ass, you let them know it. Um, okay. So before this game, Jimmy Lake, of course, saying all these things about how they are not recruiting rivals with Oregon. They recruit against higher academic schools like Notre Dame and Stanford and blah, 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 which is just a joke. I mean, he, yeah, honestly, he might deserve to be fired because of the comments, but either way, um, Cristobal, I don't know that a 10-point win is an ass-kicking, first off. Uh, second, Jimmy Lake, uh, punting in that position late in that ballgame? What are you doing? Like, I, 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 I almost don't know that he's going to get another season. Oregon, as far as an ass-kicking, total stats and whatnot, yes. Um, Washington had 166 total yards in this game. They were up 9-3 to at one point. Uh, but Oregon had 427 total yards. They ran for 329 on Washington. This was a bludgeoning that ended with only a a 10 point spread between the teams. I, uh, you know, I Jimmy Lake. By the way, did you see this at the uh, at the end of the game? Um, the AD had to issue a uh, statement because Jimmy Lake appeared to shove and strike his own player on the sideline, like towards the end of the game. I he he struck it. The like, kid wore a helmet, and he slapped yeah. the kid on the helmet because the kid shoved another player that was running out of bounds. And instead of, like, catching him or kind of keeping him from falling, he shoved the kid. Yeah. It, it, yeah. But, but no, here, no. here's the thing. Here's the, so I didn't, see, I didn't see that in real time. Um, but also, like, Jen Cohen issued the statement because enough people were making, and I don't think that people should – be worrying about this crap. But this Jim is the same Cohen thing when, should the statement Jim Cohen should make is is he's coaching his kid up. Okay, shut the hell up. Yeah. If that's your child, then one person has the right to have any comment on that. The parent of that child. Yes. And that yes. child. And that child. That child is a nineteen or twenty year old grown ass man. All right. The, the coaches shoved another opponent. The coaches that uh, that have the capability of going through that without anything popping up for them is the ones that are actually winning that you don't have controversy around them anyway, right? And Jimmy Lake, with his comments earlier this week, uh, kind of put himself out there for everything to be scrutinized. And 
I, I don't know what to Jimmy make of Lake Jimmy Lake. Jimmy has a lot to be criticized for. Coaching this kid up, popping him in the helmet. I don't think that's one of them. Let's, I'm with you. Let's, let's get over ourselves, please. This is a grown-ass man playing a very, like, contested collision sport. Being popped in the helmet is is nothing. It's the le- it's what we do when we celebrate. Why is it wrong to do it when you're coaching? Like, don't, don't act like we're be struck a kid. Fuck you. <laughs> struck a kid. Um, God dang, man. What are, we the- do- what are we doing? All right, Jimmy Lake is an idiot, okay? And he yeah. deserves to be treated like an idiot. But let's criticize him for the things that he says and the things that he does that's actually wrong. All right. Let's criticize him for being a mediocre coach and let's criticize him for saying stupid things. All right. Washington is no different than Oregon. They're literally the same. They're recruiting the same kids. The reason they settle for kids that they're trying to win over over Stanford is because they can't get the kids that go to Oregon. Okay. Because Oregon is just a much cooler place to be than Washington. And some of that is, is a Nike thing. And some of that is the coaches at Washington aren't excited to be around. Yeah. Yeah. You're, uh, you're right. You're hundred percent right. Uh, but but, but he, anybody who wants to use the word struck a kid, that's, that's somebody that's, who's never been struck in their life. That's also somebody that doesn't understand coaching at all. Like, it just does not get it. Uh, the, you probably don't understand a lot about parenting either, by the yeah, way. You not probably, that, you're probably right about that. Uh, the end of this game, where Washington gets the ball with two minutes and nine seconds left, and... They have three straight incompletions, and it's fourth and ten at their own ten with a minute fifty-seven left, and you are already down by ten points. What is this? Is this is where uh, you're? Yeah, sorry, sorry, for. you're down by eight points, yeah. right? Yeah. While I can understand the safe coaches, you're only down one possession. You want to try and and maybe make the other team make a mistake. I get that, but. But that other team has the lead. They're right. not going to make the like if the other team was behind. Then yeah, they might make a mistake. But what what do you think? You're going to pick six? They're not going to throw the football. And instead, in trying to make the other team make the mistake, they in turn made the mistake and turned it into a two score game because they punted the ball or the, the, they snapped the ball and the punter couldn't hold on to it. It goes out of the back of the end zone. You know, whatever. It's a safety. But you you don't give your kids a chance to win the game. And and I understand Dylan Morris did not exactly play well. I mean, let's let's not kid ourselves here. Um, for the game, he was 15 out of 27 passing for 111 yards and one touch or one uh, interception. Excuse me. Um, they they were not. I I don't know what you do there. Like they are going to have to fire at least John Donovan. But there are so many people that are not in on Jimmy Lake. That I don't know that you can afford to give him another season because the season ticket holders are, we, are bought are out. Thinking they're going to? I yeah, there's a possibility. I mean, it's it's, it's only his second no. season. His first year nobody, was a COVID no, season. Nobody believes that, right? Nobody believes that. This I would think that so. lost to Montana before the season started. No, Jimmy Lake's not coming back next year, Gary. Nobody, nobody on this coaching staff is going to survive this. It, this is, and it's not just the Oregon. I mean, they only got beat by ten by a by a top five team, right? But, um, but this is but this, nobody 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 is surviving this coaching set. This team is bad. This team is underperformed, and they've lost a lot of games that they should have won. No, yeah. no, they're not coming back. We're, we're having a we're having a wasteful conversation. This point, you're probably right. That's a I think that's a pretty good time for us to uh, to close this thing out. So close it out. Double O'Neill, Gary Lewis, uh, you know all of these guys that have jumped in on the chat. 
Ball Python Love, uh, uh, Seth and Elvin and everybody else. Roger, we appreciate you guys for jumping in on the chat. You make it much more entertaining for us on these Sunday morning shows. Uh, we went nearly two hours today, and my God, it's glorious. I love doing these reaction shows, and uh, and we've only got a few of them left. So we uh, we appreciate these for as long as we have them. Double O'Neill said... Uh, Said thank you uh, for the show. Love it. Hey, cheers to it. Don't forget, subscribe to the podcast. And, of course, uh, share it out. Tell your friends about it. All that good stuff. If you have not already liked the video, subscribe, all that. I didn't even get to the ad earlier, but the show is brought to you by BetUS, where the game begins. You can make sure and sign up using the promo code NCAAF2021. You get 125% sign-up bonus up to $2,500, and it is sportsbook exclusive, so take advantage of that. There is a link in the description. You can click it. It's going to toss the promo code in there for you. Chris does the sportsbook review college football show. I do the uh, BetUS college football show. You can, of course, get more college football content from us over there as well. Uh, Chris, sportsbook review up on YouTube now. No, we're still on Twitter. Still on Twitter. Okay, so go and follow at SBR Sports Picks on Twitter. Uh, you can also follow us. I'm at Gary WCE. Chris is at Chris B. Giannini. Um, with that said, let's go ahead and get out of here. Let's go watch NFL. Let's <laughs> let's do something productive. All right, gentlemen uh, and, and ladies, of course, we hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And hopefully, hopefully, all of your tickets cash this week. Thanks for checking out Winning Cures Everything. If you want to keep up with us, hit subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. Visit the website at winningcureseverything.com or you can like us on Facebook or follow us at Winning Cures, at Gary WCE, or at Chris B. Giannini on Twitter. Share out the show, leave a nice review, and make sure to comment and tweet at us. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.